want you to hear these passages of Scripture from Susie. There's all kinds of passages in the Bible that talk about our language and the things we say and things we shouldn't say and that kind of thing. But these are just two examples of some Scriptures where we hear from both Matthew and Romans. One place talking to us about the importance of what we say. Another, when someone is speaking, letting come through their speech the wonder of Christ. Listen to what he has to say. Matthew 12, 33 through, thir- through 37. Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For the tree is known by its fruit. You, bro- you brood of vipers, how can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good person, out of his good treasure, brings forth good. And the evil person, out of his evil treasure, brings forth evil. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Romans eight thirty one and 32. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How now, how will we now also with him graciously give us all things? The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Susie. Would you join with me in a word of prayer? We surrender our own thoughts and hearts and minds to you, Lord, now in this time. And whatever it is that we brought in with us, we pray It will get us to where you need us to be, and if there are obstacles or blocks to your spirit flowing within our hearts and minds, then help us to lay them down and be open again to your word. May anything and all things that happen in these next few moments help us to become fluent in the language of grace and hope and joy. We pray this in the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. My days of performing magic are almost at an end. Uh, My magical career um, was pretty significant for a period of time in my life. I first became a magician when our daughters Emily and Elizabeth were born to us. Each in their own time took their place being my audience, and I dazzled them with amazing acts of amazement and wonder. I began with each working them up through the magical chain, first with that wonderful, mysterious, never-ending entertaining game of (laughs) peekaboo. Then I took them up to the next level, and right in front of them took the nose right off their face. (laughs) My magical career hit its crescendo when I would take quarters and magically had them appear from behind ears over and over and over again. I reached to the heights in those shows. I was a hit. I was better than anything on Broadway, at least to the audience of one in front of me. And then my career ended for a while until a few years ago when it was reignited when Jasper and Leah and Elena and Caroline came along, and I was once again able to take them through my repertoire. Now, 
No one's interested about nose coming off their faces. And all they want are the quarters out of Poppy's pockets. But I hopefully, in addition to entertaining them for a short while, taught them the wonder of that wonderful word that we all know, that when spoken, freezes time and lays out their expectations that something could happen. Abracadabra, got your nose. Abracadabra, quarter behind the ear. And whenever I would say abracadabra, they knew it was about to, they would start to giggle before the last dabble was out of my mouth. The power of a word to set expectations, to create the possibility, to place in the heart of the audience in front of me that in fact it was going to happen again. Abracadabra is an amazing word because it sets those expectations and it created a connection between me and my grandchildren and my children in that moment that I will never forget. Words create possibilities. Words create connection. Words give us definition and provide context. And language is the cumulative sum of all the words in which we speak and the power of the words that we know. Our language defines the world for us, shapes how we see the world and our place in the world. Language is that culmination of all that we know in words and syntax that basically make up the way which we approach everything. Our language matters more than we know. And there is little as frustrating as when your language is insufficient to communicate or to understand what's being communicated to you. The exercise that Angie shared was fun. Well, it's fun for you. I was so frustrated the other day when she was in my office. I said, oh, I can't get it! (laughs) But I'm sure it reminds you of other times when you have tried to figure out what somebody was saying to no avail. Anybody ever had that moment? I've been in Switzerland, I've been in India, I've been in the Deep South, I've been in me tell you. Anybody down in Deep Tennessee ever? Uh, I've, I've, been, uh, I've been with my own children and I couldn't figure out what the heck they were saying. And sometimes it's more than frustrating when our language is insufficient. Sometimes it can threaten our very life. The struggle to find a way to connect without a common language is one of the major themes of the movie we saw this past week, Arrival. It was the movie 146 of us went to go see on Tuesday night, on a terrible, lousy weather night. But it was worth the trip, I think. The plot of the movie is described in this promotional press release this way. Linguistics professor Louise Banks leads an elite team of investigators with gigantic spaceships touched when gigantic spaceships touch down in 12 locations around the world. As nations teeter on the verge of global war, Banks and her crew must race against time to find a way to communicate with extraterrestrial visitors. Hoping to unravel the mystery, she takes a chance that could threaten her life and possibly all of humankind. 
Scattered around the world, these 12 spaceships appear. And the world begins a unilateral attempt to try to make connection. And yet each culture approached the process differently. And those different methods and the assumptions they created led to conflict as to the perceptions as to the intent of those aliens. And then fears began to mount. And once the fear stepped in, you know what happens with communication? We shut down. We quit talking to each other. We back away, and we plan either a defense or an attack. Only those teams who spent time trying to really understand the aliens, as well as communicate with them, hung in there. I thought it was interesting that the group that went to Montana, they chose to have lead the, lead the uh, team. They chose a linguist, a linguistic specialist, and a mathematician. Not a warrior taking the lead, though they were strongly supported by the military. People who were interested in engagement and discernment, and they continued to try to break through in relationships with the aliens. Of course, the danger when that occurs is that you might become like the language you're learning. More about that in a second. In this movie, the desire to find a common language changes the course of human history. And in the scriptures, there are many different passages that tell us about the power of language, and you heard two of them today. In Matthew 12, we discover that God really does care about what we say. What we say either blocks or assists the desires of God. And we will be judged by the words that we speak and the impact that they leave in the world. I'm going to say that again. We will be judged by the words that we speak and the impact they leave in the world. Anybody else rethinking the things you said this week? Of course, we already know that there are words in many ways that become the way which will be judged. There are people already who judge us by the language we've used with them, either when we have blessed them with the language we have spoken, or we have cursed them, damned them, or shut them out. The language we use, the thoughts of our minds and hearts, can either become ways in which people are drawn to God or reasons why people say God is not worth being drawn to. I had Susie read Romans because that passage for me soars and sings. If God, if God is with us, who can be against us? God gave his only son to come and be with us. If not that, then how much more will God now do that which we need? And the soaring continues the rest of the passage. The words spoken in Romans 8 are not simply someone who's learned how to speak church. They've learned from the inside core of being touched and blessed by Christ what it is to let grace soar through their words in their life. What's the best way to learn another language? to be immersed in the language, to go live in the culture that the language comes from. 
I took three years of Spanish at Montrose. Three years of Spanish in Montrose, Michigan. Not known particularly for a highly Hispanic culture in the 1970s. Hola, que tal, como esta is about the best you're going to get out of me after three years of Spanish in Montrose. But I wonder if I'd invested and lived in a Spanish-speaking country. Forced to learn the culture, taste the food, smell the smells, feel the energy and the emotions. Then, not only would I learn vocabulary, I would learn language. Do you understand the difference? I would learn to know what it is to feel like a Spanish-speaking person rather than an adolescent male in Montrose memorizing vocabulary. To be really fluent in any language, you have to be willing to be immersed in it. You have to be willing to be surrounded by it. You have to be willing to allow that culture into your own consciousness and spirit. Do you understand? Christianity is the same way. You can learn to say, God bless you. You can quote scripture. You can even preach sermons. But to speak Christian, to be fluent in the language of our Lord, requires knowing and living in the presence of Christ. When Christ is reflected in our faith, no matter what words we use, we are fluent in the language of Christ. One of the reasons the Christian witness has lost its power in the world is because too many have tried to mimic the language of the church rather than immersing themselves in a relationship with the living God. We try to sound like a Christian. And all we're doing is learning a new vocabulary. I hear people say, well, I don't know how to pray. They expect us to pray. We're paid for it. We're trained in it. We know theological language and jargon. So we are the prayers of the church to the detriment of the church. Because the truth is we've discovered the words are not what make a song sing. What makes prayer wonderful and powerful are not the words we use, but whether or not Christ is present in the prayer, which is why some of the most powerful prayers I've ever heard prayed had no theological jargon, had no churchy language. They simply were the opening up of an innocent soul to the power and trust in the living Christ, whether that person was for or educated, or whatever else your station in life might be. When we really get to know Jesus, our language has the power to be fluent in the speaking and the witnessing of Christ. There's so much portrayal of Christianity in the world today that must offend Christ profoundly. 
This occurs when we borrow words from the Bible, even as we sit around and judge and gossip and condemn and belittle and dismiss and hate or lie. Uh, I want you to hear me very careful what I'm about to say. I'm not here advocating cursing. But I've been a truck driver. I've been in locker rooms and on the farm and some other places I'm not going to tell you about today. I'm fluent in the opportunity of translating someone else's cursing. And I do not think those are the words that offend God the most. It is amazing to me that we as disciples of Christ can act like we're offended, like we're not comfortable saying, frankly, dear, I don't give a damn in church. And yet we'll remain quiet if someone around us speaks racist, sexist language. Demeaning, belittling, or damning others with what they say and do. It's just my guess that if there is any condemnation in my life to come for what I have said or not said in the world one day, it will not be because of the dams that came out of my mouth. It will be because there were moments I should have spoken up or kept my mouth shut and didn't. You hear me, church? Our language is critical to be influenced by the power of Christ within us. And on this Martin Luther King Jr. weekend, it seems appropriate to remember the power of language to change the world. It seems to me that in my life, the greatest force for change in our country has been the language of Christ when spoken in truth and with conviction. It was spoken when the church, when Dr. King and other voices did all they could to proclaim the kingdom of God in the world, asking for justice to rain down, to set the oppressed free as well as the oppressors. And we're willing to take the hate that came with that because they were fluent in the language of Christ. Today, as we enter into Martin Luther King Jr. celebrations this weekend and tomorrow, it is my deepest prayer we'll do more than nostalgia. But the church will remember, once again, we need to be adding our own language to the cultural dialogue to begin once again to no longer tolerate the obscenity by the way in which people are demonized and dismissed and judged without being known. How can we learn this language of the Christian faith so our speech, thought, and actions reflect Christ? Well, it's simple. The way we've always done it for over 2,000 years. A large part of what worship is is to learn how to speak faith. It's always been the case. Before we had the Bible to hand out to the laity, you learned biblical language from the way in which the clergy used it. You learned your theology by singing the hymns. You began to think about ways in which to talk in the world Monday through Saturday by how you worshiped God on Sunday. When we come together, the language of the fluent nature of Christ here is the way in which we begin to learn to be fluent out there. People think the concern of the world of the church is you all don't know your Bible 
um, and somehow you ought to be graded badly on that. But the reality is, you don't know your Bible because you weren't taught it. I wasn't. Not by the church. There was no expectation that coming to church meant you also had to learn how to know what it means to talk about faith or to know the stories of the scriptures, but there was a generation before us that did. And when they knew the scriptures, it influenced the way they could talk about God. The reason, beginning this coming year and hereafter, as long as I'm here, we're going to continue to offer more and more classes in Bible, is not so you get a passing grade in heaven, but so you can become fluent in the language of faith in a way in which you and I were not given the opportunity to too often by the church. We become fluent in the speak of Christianity when we engage in the work of Christianity. When we engage in relationship with Christ. Some of you came out of the movie Tuesday night generally asking, so what are you going to do with this, Rick? One of the things I think you're wondering what I'm going to do with is this whole understanding of time. Anybody catch that in the movie? The time was a big deal. I'm not going to ruin the movie for those of you who haven't seen it. But let me just say this to you. Different languages and cultures see time differently. Right? Manana in South America means something different than when you and I say tomorrow. Right? Do you understand? When we say tomorrow, I mean tomorrow. In South America, it's manana. It's a different concept of time. Christians understand time differently than the rest of the world. How so? Because of my knowledge and experience of Christ, I know that my time here on earth has meaning and purpose each and every second of it. I don't want to waste it. Every every day, every month, every year that passes by is an opportunity for me to invest in my life in living with Christ and growing in Christ and witnessing Christ and the joy and the richness and fullness of that life, whether or not that life is five years old or 105 years old. That's a gift. But I also know that I'm connected with a whole row of saints long before me. That while I can tell you the day I was born, I can't tell you the day I began. Because I stand in a tradition that precedes me. And I can also tell you this. The day I breathe my final breath, My life changes. My life does not end. But you don't know that unless you know Christ. And it changes the way you see your final day or this day. The language of faith changes time and our understanding of it. One of the questions asked in the movie is this. If you knew your life from beginning to end and then could start to live it, what would you change? 
you thought about that? I've got a few days I would change. Few of them were the days where I hurt the most. Because somehow I've decided, as I've looked at my life, the days that I hurt the most was also the day, were also the days I was most present to Christ. And I don't want a life void of hurt or grief or pain or sadness or the presence of Christ in those moments. They're holy times. There are other days I'd, get, I'd do over. How do you do that? Well, you do it. Because Christ says to you, you can change today. What change do you want to see in your life? Hey, you can do that right now. Because it's the language of our faith. Abracadabra. <laughs> it's possible. Did you know that abracadabra is actually an Aramaic word? It's the language that Jesus spoke. Did you know that when we say abracadabra, the literal translation is, with this word I create, with this word I influence. Think about that. The language of our faith tells us whatever change you need or want, or whatever change Christ could do for you in this moment begins with a single word, abracadabra could happen now. It's the language of our faith. It's the possibility of today. May the change that you will need to make, that Christ wants you to make, and the language of our faith permeate through your life and be the witness that we give to the world now. Amen.